Batman. Catwoman. Batgirl. Captain America. Spider-Man. I could go on. Iron Man. Throwing a villain. The Joker. Pretty brilliant disguises. Pretty brilliant masks. Don't know who they are. But let me show you the most brilliant superhero mask of all time. Proving I am 100% Clark Kent. Getting these glasses back on is proving a challenge around my earpiece. So give me a second here. Superman has the lamest disguise. Don't you agree? But that's why Superman is cool. Because his power is in no mask at all. It's emblazoned right on his chest. See, it's Clark Kent that is the false identity. For all those other superheroes or villains I just named, they weren't born that way. It's the superhero identity that came later. But for Superman, it's his real identity that's been with him since the beginning. He was, to quote Lady Gaga, born this way. Original wholeness, original blessing. Now, I have to tell you that as a movie, Man of Steel, I much preferred Superman 2. Superman 2, for those of you who remember, it was the first General Zod movie. Even though its effects were not nearly as special in 1978 or 1979 when it came out, as Man of Steel's special effects are truly special. I got to tell you, I literally fell asleep in the last third of this movie with the constant battles and constant destruction. It just bored me after a while. But let me tell you where I found this movie compelling. It's that symbol right there. No mask, the symbol at the center of the chest. As I was watching the movie, it made me think of this, an image that is done in thousands of different ways. This, a medieval painting, rendering, is simply what is called the Sacred Heart. And by the way, this Man of Steel movie partakes, just rips off from the Gospels all throughout it, all these kinds of themes, particularly Mark's Gospel, which is the kind of Gospel that's about things that aren't quite ready to be revealed yet. I mean, one of Jesus' jobs is on a fishing boat. You know the gospel stories. Fishing is real important. He doesn't have a place to lay his head literally. And that's taken right from the gospel story. Does the son of man, which is an ancient Greek term to refer to a divine figure, does the son of man have no place to lay his head? Well, Superman, or rather Clark Kent, has no place to lay his head. But this sacred heart, this is what I found so compelling about this image in the movie. Right there at the center. The path to claiming 
the sacred heart, which is not limited, of course, to the Christian tradition. But as we watch this movie, we see the path for Superman before he's Superman to claim his sacred heart, to know who he is at the center of himself. It is not easy at all. He is a wanderer. He is aimless. He is lost. He cannot find himself. This journey to claiming his heart over, his heart over wearing a mask, hiding from his true identity, it is not easy at all. When he first touches his superpower as a young boy, just before he reaches the age of puberty, and by the way, every single boy, superhero, movie, or comic book that has ever been done as a metaphor for puberty. (laughs) All of a sudden, in the middle of class, he's got this incredible power. (laughs) It's x-ray vision in this case, and it scares the crap out of him. And he runs out of the class because it's too much. He doesn't know how to handle it. Come on, this is obvious stuff. (laughs) But here's what's not funny. The scared boy Clark Kent hides in a closet, afraid of bullying, afraid of being made fun of by his peers. And this is where the movie, for me, starts to turn to its true moral and spiritual heart, which is that in order for Clark Kent to become Superman, which is really to say for Superman to become himself, even Superman needs to know that he is loved and beloved by a power greater than himself. In the movie, it's represented in two dimensions. His earthly parents, his human parents, his adoptive parents let him know that he is loved. And representing a kind of cosmic divine love is the consciousness of his original parents, his birth parents, dead many, many years, but whose consciousness survives and still speaks to him, even though Krypton has been blown up. It takes him a while before he has the clarity and the knowledge and sense of who he is and what he stands for and how much he is loved before he can exist within his own sacred heart. And by the way, when he claims his own sacred heart, it's not just his as is explained to us in the movie after Superman becomes Superman. The symbol at the center of his chest isn't Superman. It isn't an S. In his world, it means hope. It's hope for all human beings. It is a universalist ideal. Superman, as much as it partakes of just a particular tradition, the Christian tradition in this movie, but it is an ideal for all of us we are told to strive for. It ends up sounding a lot like loving kindness. That all of us can flourish, all of us are called to serve, all of us are called to be in loving connection with each other, and through that, for humanity to truly come alive. So his power starts at the heart, without a mask, and it's the same thing with us. But I think many of us know, I know it. It's true for him, it's true for us, that trusting the heart over turning to the mask, the mask of hiding, the mask of competency, the mask of victimhood, the mask, whatever of your choosing it is, to turn truly towards the heart takes guts and courage. And courage means, by the way, to literally give heart (laughs) or to take heart to be encouraged. I think many of us, we wear a mask for two reasons. To hide or lie from others 
and then even more originally to hide or lie to ourselves. To make believe. And I don't mean make believe in a good way. Like making believe in terms of comic book heroes or Narnia or Harry Potter. That's amazing. Read a really cool article from the New York Times about uh, C.S. Lewis this past week. It's all throughout the internet. Maybe you've seen it. It talks about inventive pretend. It's a great phrase, isn't it? Inventive pretend. That's a spirit of playfulness, of imagination, in which we're not hiding from ourselves, but rather expanding the definition of who we are. But when we hide wear a false mask, keep ourselves away from each other. It's not inventive pretend, it's defensive pretend. We're trying to protect something because we don't think we're safe. Now, I know this all too well. I say now, about eight years in, with no shame any longer but truthfulness and honesty, that I counseled people into recovery before I got sober. I went to jails and prisons to encourage people to choose a healthier path and then would routinely go home and crawl into a bottle of scotch. That was my mask, my drinking, my hiding away, my lying to myself, and not intentionally, not because I wanted to be deceitful, but yes, also my lying and hiding from other people. Until, blessedly, this happened to me. My mask cracked. You could see straight through to the person underneath. (laughs) At least I could. And one other person did right away. It was my wife. My mask cracked. Thank God (laughs) my mask cracked. Leonard Cohen said it so well, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Forget your perfect offering. All that perfectionism so many of us struggle with. Forget your perfect offering. There's no such thing. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. It's a wonderful thing when the light can get in. It's a painful thing, too, when our mask cracks, but it's the beginning of us claiming who we already are, which is whole people. Now, sometimes we wear a mask as well because the world threatens us, and the world lets us know that we are not safe. In the wake of the news of this past week, the marriage equality rulings from the Supreme Court, I paid particular attention when I heard this story from Susie Orman. I think just about all of us know who Susie Orman is financial guru, teacher to millions. She tells a story about being in Chicago giving a speech, a speech before thousands of people, and she could feel something was not right. Physically, something was not right. And she had to be rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. And sitting there with her was the love of her life. KT, her initials are. And this is the dialogue they had in the ambulance. KT asked, Susie, when I get to the hospital, who should I tell them I am? I'm going to tell them I'm your sister. Because that way, I know that I won't be kept out. And Susie said, no, we have to tell the truth. 
And KT said, no, I'm afraid. They may not let me in. Those vulnerable moments, those heart-on-the-line moments, the moments when we know from the depth of our being that who we are and what we love and who we love needs us to be there. For some of us, this is not a hypothetical. I take it for granted. My marriage is recognized by the state, always has been. My first crappy marriage was recognized by the state. (laughs) But for some of us, the mask gets placed upon us because the world refuses to see us. That's why this week is huge. It's also why nothing short of true equality for our GLBT brothers and sisters will ever be anything but sufficient. Nothing short of full equality will ever be truly what we want. Still in Pennsylvania here, we're a state in which we have GLBT sisters and brothers who are second-class citizens. So I think it's incumbent upon us, especially with all the great progress that we've made, we've got to keep working until the day when no one has to don a mask instead of wearing their heart exactly where it is, right at the center of their being, so they can be true, so they can love. Because the truth of our lives is the power of the heart is where all real power comes from. Not false power, not authority, not power overs, but real power comes from the heart. That's why Martin Luther King, in one of his most famous writings, said it is the strength to love that will transform this country. It was true then, it's true now. Pema Chodron, the beautiful, amazing, insightful Buddhist nun, she says this, when you begin to touch your heart or let your heart be touched, when you begin to touch the heart or let your heart be touched, you begin to discover that it's bottomless, that the heart never has any resolution. And yes, this sounds like Celine Dion, the heart goes on. (laughs) But it doesn't have any resolution, the heart. That this heart is vast and huge and limitless. But we cannot live from the heart if we're wearing a mask. If we choose to live truly from the heart and show the world who we are, we will understand one of the great things that this movie demonstrates. After Superman becomes Superman, his identity is known. Someone says to Superman, I think it's Lois Lane, and in a totally non-romantic way, you prove we're not alone in the universe. (laughs) With a big, huge smile, you prove we're not alone in the universe. This is one of the best gifts of being alive, people. When you are around someone and because of your encouragement, because of your heart, because of your giving of heart, you encourage someone to let that mask drop and to show their true heart. It's one of the best gifts of being alive. It's a great story about this from Brene Brown. I think a lot of you know who Brene Brown is. She's so popular through her TED Talks online. And I think she's got the unofficial moniker of America's social worker. She tells the story about going into a Nordstrom's one day, fancy, you know, upscale mall, and she just wanted to return some shoes. And her hair was bedraggled, and she hadn't showered that day, and she had her eight-year-old daughter, Ellen, in tow. And they got up to the Nordstrom's, 
And then they recognize that all the other families around them seem to appear to be perfectly put together. Well coiffed and everyone looks good and music starts playing over the PA system. And her eight-year-old daughter totally naturally starts dancing, starts doing The robot. I know my robot sucks, but, you know, I'm living from heart up here. It doesn't matter, right? And she starts doing the robot for all to see. Until eight-year-old Ellen and mom, Brene Brown, recognize that all the other families, well coiffed, perfectly put together, are looking at Ellen. And Brene Brown's scene is that some older girls, just a couple years older, Maybe it looked like they're about to say something really cruel. And Brene Brown sees the fleeting thought in her mind for a second. She doesn't say it, but she feels it. Ellen, stop being so incredibly uncool right now. <laughs> but of course she doesn't. And at this point, Ellen has her eyes locked on her mom, looking for guidance, knowing that the harsh words are about to come her way. And Brene Brown does the only thing that she can do. She starts doing, I think it's this, the scarecrow. I don't know. Is this a scarecrow? You kind of, kind of flop there. And mom and daughter are doing the scarecrow and doing the robot. No mask, all hearts. We're not alone in the universe. This is why, by the way, when the Buddhists talk about right speech, it really matters what we say and what we do. Brene Brown could have followed that initial instinct. Stop being so freaking uncool. But she didn't. She gave her daughter permission to live from heart. I bet some of us here today maybe have that childhood memory in which we tried to live from heart and we were told no. We were told, be ashamed. We were told, your gender, your sexuality, the way you act, the way you carry yourself, it's not right. So put on a mask. And maybe at that point, the heart just started to hide a little bit more. This is how Superman becomes super. He is loved. In that scene where he goes and runs away because he is embarrassed for his superpowers that he cannot control yet. He runs away and he hides in the closet. It's a hell of a symbolism this past week to see that <laughs> imagery. He hides in a closet. Just another word for a mask. And his mother's called, his earth mother's called, and she knocks on the door and he doesn't want to come out. He wants to hide in there. He's embarrassed. He's ashamed. And she says, he says, it's too much. It's too big. She responds, if the world's too big, then let's make it small. Focus on my voice. Anyone ever done that for you? The world's too big right now. The pain's too great right now. The fear is too big right now. I'm too little right now. I'm incompetent right now. I suck right now. I can't do this right now. And someone says to you, 
Just focus on my voice. Take my hand. The world's too big right now. Let's make it small. And let's connect. This is the truth. When we live beyond the mask, there is no loneliness. And our power lies in not wearing a disguise. That we can liberate ourselves and liberate each other not to wear the mask and to live from the heart. That's an incredible thing. It's a thing, by the way, we can do every day. And through this, participate in the grace of this life that is already here from us, as super as we are. But through a mask, we can't see it. Living from the heart, we can connect to it. So today, may you live from the heart. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. O divinity of no mask, imageless image that resides in us, around us, holds us, imageless image of sacred that we know in the breath and in the body and in hands and in hearts that are allowed to see and allowed to be seen. Maybe our prayer is today. What masks are we wearing? And why are we hiding? Let's put the mask down. It's cracked already. Let's be who we are. Amen.